You're listening to the Marnie on the Move podcast live from the UFOS Recovery Lounge pop-up at Ironman World Championships in St. George, Utah. I think not just in triathlon, but one of the hardest things to do is to stay in the moment. Like, and that's why I come back to saying, like, appreciating the smaller things in life. It's, it's a proper skill. And I get, well, yeah, I guess people learn it over years. As I said before, when I was a few, a few years ago, like, I, w- I didn't at all have this mentality. I was just like solely based on results. And it's not a balanced lifestyle. Yeah. And that's what, because when you have a balanced lifestyle, you're generally more regular in your training and you don't overcook it and we all know that like consistency is what gets you results. That was Sam Laidlow. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Hello, welcome, and welcome back to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. Today on the podcast, I sync up with French professional triathlete Sam Laidlow. We caught up back in St. George, Utah from the Marnie on the Move live studio pop-up in the UFOS Recovery Lounge, May 3rd through the 8th, leading into the Ironman World Championships. Sam is the youngest male pro on the field. Born in the UK, raised in France, triathlon is in his DNA. From his grandfather to both his parents, it's a family passion and a way of life. During the World Championships, Sam was the first male pro out of the water and eighth to finish with an amazing time of 8.02.56. During our conversation, Sam and I sync up about what he loves about the sport, his philosophy around training and racing, what he's currently doing for nutrition on race day, what he's looking forward to about this exciting course here in St. George, and just to show you how deeply immersed he is in this sport, Sam shares the coordinates of the finish line in Kona, which is his next big race in October. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on Apple. It's easy. Head over to wherever you listen to your Apple Podcasts, Click on the Marnie on the Move podcast, scroll through, click on the five stars, and also click on leave a review. Tell us what you love about this episode, about this podcast, about the show. And also feel free to screenshot the episode and share it with your friends on social. Now on to my conversation with Sam. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah thank you so much for being here. <laughs> so when did you get to uh, Utah? Um, similar to, um, to, I'm staying with other French guys. Um, so about five, six days ago, um, I drove over from Texas cause I raced Texas two you weeks did. ago. Yeah. You raced Texas two weeks ago. Yeah. I mean, I tried, <laughs> failed, what happened? Failed. um, I, uh, I don't know what happened. It's a good question. I think I was a bit, I was a bit ill the lead, the days leaning into it, like my resting heart rate and stuff. Um, even my numbers just weren't good at all. Um, and then very early on I started, cramping like already in the swim which was a bit weird and uh all day just my numbers weren't great um but I couldn't couldn't give up because I was leading the race for like 
six seven hours of it so um but eventually the wheels fell off and i just got yeah i, I was weird my joints were aching everything was bad really so i've been uh not not super confident but just trying to put my health first uh which is yeah it's before before being fit you need to be healthy so um that's been my priority over the last few days someone said to me recently like when you when something happens or when you see something there's a reason so whatever it is it's like you have this opportunity now here in St. George to analyze what happened, do it differently or... Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, it's, it's di- as you said, like, it's difficult. Um, people from the outside don't really just presume that I've just overbiked and done this. Right. But actually, like, it was my lowest numbers ever and it's, you don't, people don't know what's going on behind the scenes. So, um, no, as, as I said, I've just... I'm, I'm excited to race, but uh, equally I'm a bit I'm a bit scared. I needed the kick in the teeth that I got two weeks ago to uh, come here with a bit less expectation, which um, which sometimes can be a good thing. Yeah, because you'll be pleasantly surprised. Hopefully, yeah, we'll see. So, what do you what what um, when you went to Texas? Like, how long do you usually give yourself? Like, what time frame do you arrive in a destination before? a race usually if you're coming over to the US? Mm, well, I'm a bit inexperienced in that sense because it's my first time in the US oh, right now. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm still still a baby. I'm 23. So um, now I came four or five days before, so maybe that wasn't ideal as well. Um, I think flying over to the US this way isn't as bad as going back, but it didn't affect me too much. Like after, yeah, I felt, I felt in the time zone. Or what's quite good as well is because the Ironman starts so early, like you kind of just arrive and go to bed early and then keep getting up early leaning into the race so even now i'm still like getting up at six i mean it's not quite race time but it's still early compared to what i'd get up in europe yeah so that would be my advice i guess if you come from europe to the us for a race is try and yeah just stick to the time zone i don't know about the other way around yeah no i mean i think that's what i would do i mean i think it's how i it's how we travel Mm -hmm. even when we got here i actually have no idea what time it is i just I mean, it's like we woke up this morning and I think I'm finally on this time zone, but we were in Hawaii okay. a week ago. Cool. So it's like, and we live in New York. So yeah. it's where, you know, normally, I don't even know, it's it's probably like, you know, four o'clock right now, yeah. but I feel... It's not, I think it's... Five o'clock? One thirty two. No, it's 2.18 here. Oh. Oh yeah, it's 2.18 here. Yeah. yeah. It's not five. Right. In New York. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah. And um, no, it's just it, the whole time change and trying to, you know, set up meetings and yeah. it's confusing. But also like in terms of training, I was just wondering, you know, I see a lot of athletes getting here like, you know, last week, you know, two yeah, weeks now, early. There's people yeah. that like Camworth arrived yesterday, I think. And I don't know. But um, I certainly the conditions here have been a bit harsher than I expected I didn't really know what to expect um and it's kind of the opposite to what it was in Texas in Texas it's like 20-25 degrees but extremely humid and here it's similar but very very dry and it's uh and then or you already get the dryness of the altitude in the first place and here on top of that it's extra dry so it's like a double whammy so you uh, have to have a lot of hydration yeah a lot of hydration a lot of salts but I mean there's nothing new there but I just think your body takes a bit of time to uh, get used to it yeah and it's as I said it's a long way from where I live in near the Pyrenees so yeah when did you start racing as a pro as early as I could really I was on the, um, the French Grand Prix circuit so effectively I was already kind of being paid already at like 14 um, and it's it's quite renowned in, in Europe certainly because um, it's a bit like you get the same density as you do in like WTS uh, World Corporation Triathlon races. So lots right. of like I was 14, I was lined up with Gomez and Brownlee and stuff. And so yeah, I got I got a lot of racing experience very early on. But um, 
I've done, I start, I did my first triathlon when I was four. So it's pretty, pretty how, rare to. <laughs> how did you get into it? That's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not so crazy when both your parents are in it. Um, no, they, they moved to France to set up a triathlon training camp business and, um, been doing that for the last 20 years. So I always grew up, uh, just surrounded by people talking to me about the big island and qualifying and blah, blah, blah. And it kind of naturally got imprained in like, it, yeah, printed into my head that I had, that I wanted to be a, world I wanted to be world champion and so that's always been my goal and luckily I've never I've never really deviated from that um even though obviously some points in time it's yeah there was a period where I almost stopped and but yeah uh for some reason I'm stubborn enough to keep following that line well sometimes you know you could have the opposite effect right like you could have not like triathlon at all Mm, definitely yeah um so my dad's dad was also a, so my dad was in the swimming world and um my dad's dad was his swim coach and he uh, pushed him a lot uh so i think uh what my dad does do very well is uh see the long the long-term project and they've never forced me into triathlon um i've always been very self-driven and um yeah i i want to make I, what's what's different and unique with me is that i want to do the journey like with them uh with with still my parents um so my dad's my coach now and has been for the last four, well, since I moved to long distance. What's basically. his name? Richard. Yeah, Richard Laidlow. And, um, no, we're just, I want to get, I want to win Kona. We, sorry, we want to win Kona. It's not, I just don't want to pick a random coach and get there right. because people have done that before, but, um, not to my knowledge, I've done it like with the dad. So that's so, cool. pa- that's powerful. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. And it's, it's like an extra, yeah. If there's something that makes me stronger than the others, it's not going to be, it's not going to be my what's or this or that. This comes a point where everybody trains a lot and everybody trains hard and um, we've all optimized everything, whether it's aerodynamics or nutrition or blah, blah, blah. Right, right, right. And I think come race day, it comes down to just, yeah, something, what, what have you got more than the others haven't? It's so important to have like an amazing support team. Yeah, and the same, I think for me, the best guys, that's what that's what differentiates them is they're, they're capable of creating a team around them. And it's um it's a long process and it's a real skill like trying to motivate people is like anything um but it's people lots of pro athletes often neglect that aspect I feel yeah no I mean and so now as far as training and working with your family like what do you love about the sport like why do, what keeps you in it um, the more I do it the more I realize um, that I really I really appreciate just having a healthy lifestyle first and foremost. Um, every so often I get, I get wound up about like trying to get a race result in and I just overtrain probably and get too serious about it all when actually then the results don't follow. But yeah, just the lifestyle I have at home with my family and us still organizing triathlon camps is, is, is really cool. I couldn't complain. Like I just wake up, train, eat, sleep, repeat. And yeah, I I don't, I don't miss the partying that all the other 23 year olds are doing really anymore. Uh, I feel like I've been through that phase and that. They're all like um, very short period. So they're pleasures that are very short, Where, but I really appreciate just the, the simple things in life. And yeah, I have a, a great healthy family that are also supportive. And yeah, I can't complain really. What's the name of your 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 family's training camp? Uh, so it's called Sanctuary Sportifs. Uh, and yeah, we're in uh, south of France, uh, not far from... So can, like, can anyone come? <laughs> anyone can come, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm coming next time. Yeah, you're, you're welcome to. Yeah, no, honestly... Um, we invited Bob the other day, so now we have to invite you. Yeah, no, in south of France, where? Like Aix-en-Provence? That's not south, that's the north for us. Oh, no. oh that's north for uh, uh-oh. No, we're as far south as you can get, so we're like the last valley before Spain. Um, we're like, we're probably 30-minute 
ride from the coast, but we're also at the foot of the Pyrenees. So, um, and I can ride. So it's like an hour north from Girona. I don't know if you've heard of Girona. Oh my God. I saw you riding there on your bike <laughs> and your Instagram and I, I really want to go to Girona. No, it's, it's really nice. It looks beautiful. Uh, yeah. The, yeah. There's, right. a, there's a lot of hype around Girona now, but, um, no. So that's why I'm a bit, I'm a bit out of Girona, but no, I like it's, it. You're like me, like drop the mic. You're out. <laughs> when something gets too like popular, yeah. you like got to find the next cool spot. Yeah, no, but, uh, I mean, that's what my parents, then my parents moved to France and just kept driving south until they found the best spot. So you grew uh, up in, in, in England? No, I, can't, I, don't you have, I don't have much uh, memory of the UK, um, if it isn't racist. That's so no. French. <laughs> you blocked it out. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. No. The thing Do is, I, I, really, I, really like, I really like British people, uh, yeah. probably more than French people. More than French I can, people. I can say, I can yeah. say that, can't yeah. I? Because they're not. I'm they deleting won't be, this on my li- podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they won't be listening. Um, and uh, but I, I like, I like living in France. Yeah, it's yeah. just. Uh, I mean, I think my parents to bring up their kids, it was a lot, a lot wiser choice if just for us to be outdoors and yeah, do whatever we wanted. I wish France was a lot closer to New York. I oh, would yeah. live there too. Yeah, <laughs> I spent some time in Paris when I was younger, and I also spent a lot of time in the south of France. I wasn't as close to Girona. I was in Aix-en-Provence and cool, no. over Aix is, there. Aix is really nice as well. Yeah. And so now, are you? What are you doing? Like you know, we were talking about nutrition, but when you talk about nutrition, I think what are you thinking on this course because it is going to be dry and it is going to be hot. Yeah, I think well, I think we always, or most athletes anyway, set out of a nutrition strategy. Um, but then you have to play it by ear because you might lose a bottle, you might not grab a bottle, you might, uh, I don't know, lose your gels. And um, yeah, also I've always been, so I have, I always have a, like a set strategy and yeah. like an alarm on my computer that would tell me to take a gel every whatever, 30 minutes. Oh, you set an alarm on your computer? Yeah. That's otherwise, great. Otherwise, yeah, I just, um, I know people that don't, but I just, I wouldn't take it and I would, I'd just say, oh, I'll take it in the next corner or the next corner because you're always like racing and um, yeah, so yeah, my advice would just be to have a clear strategy and try to stick to it as, as much as possible. And not think, like don't think about it, just do it. Yeah, yeah, and same, you know, people need to practice it. In, so I know lots of people who train without almost anything yeah. and come to race and try and stick like 15 jails down them and obviously it's gonna, they're going to see the portaloo. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I've been doing a lot of workshopping and trying to like fine tune my nutrition, especially during the pandemic. Right. Because we really weren't doing a lot of races. Okay, And my nutrition. Do you have a nutrition sponsor or not? No. Okay, I mean, we can talk after that. Yeah, I don't have (laughs) a specific gel sponsor, but I can tell you that I've been working with Inside Tracker where they test your blood biomarkers. And then they offer personalized nutrition okay. recommendations, yeah. but they're not like one specific brand yeah. of products. Okay. All right. Hope you are enjoying this conversation. Just jumping in here to give a shout out to today's sponsors, Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is the ultra personalized nutrition platform that analyzes your blood, DNA, and lifestyle to help you optimize your body from the inside out. It transforms your body's data into meaningful insights and a customized action plan of the science-backed nutrition recommendations you need to optimize your health. Get 20% off today at insidetracker.com slash Marnie on the move. Now back to my combo with Sam. Yeah, so I've been I've been working quite recently, and I've got for the minute I've got nothing to uh, to promote. Uh, I'm just using their products. Um, but Endurance, which is a Slovenian company, which is just coming through, yeah, um, and they've been used in world in world tour riding for a few years now, kind of under the radar, even even though they had contracts. Um, but they're for me they're the, they're the best just in terms of 
they have the right uh, ratio of like glucose to fructose or more recent based on more recent studies which lots of the big brands are still actually behind time on that and then also yeah. they're actually they've got like 45 grams of carb per gel and they're very like there's a lot of carbs but in one go it's very easy to take which is so that's like double the amount of carbs which you'd find in a in a morton or an sis or so it just means you're not taking quite so many yeah and that's much better on your gut yeah yeah well it, the, the main it's, thing on your gut is that you well one you need to train your gut so every so often you need to try and do a few sessions where you do take whatever 100 grams an hour or something carb and uh but certainly the, the in thing at the moment now is is teaching your body to take as much carbs as it can you see yeah. we're seeing it with cyclists they can take like 200 grams an hour or even the norwegians so it's um yeah are you more of a like go on feel type athlete um yeah same i think i'm a bit of a natural racer which my dad doesn't my coach my dad doesn't appreciate because mm. uh, we always set out with target watts and stuff and then i just end up like just wanting to be at the front i want to race hard which on an eight-hour race is probably not the most strategic of of ways of racing but um yeah i just it's, it's difficult i'm just like that and uh and yeah i've had some some people say that I, yeah i should race more intelligently but i'm just the way i am and uh, you gotta do what you love yeah exactly and um i feel i'm somebody who needs to know what i need to know what it feels like to be at the front of a race to know how to win a race and i think one day on a big race i think it will pay off um we've seen I think most of the, the legends of the sport, whether it's Brownlee or Fredino or stuff, they've they've always raced in an aggressive way like that. Um, so like Alistair, he his first Olympics, he like led for 7K of the 10K and nobody knew who this guy was. And uh, yeah, I've had a few ins uh, moments like that. But um, yeah, I know what it takes to win. I just haven't quite got there yet, which some people might never know. To put it all out there and like go hard like that, I mean... I don't know what that's like. I think a lot of athletes don't know what that's like. And it, it's a really a big difference between being competitive and going all out versus, yeah. you know, just coasting through a race yeah. and having a different goal. But that's why I'm also excited here because I know that it's, it's a world championships and it's, it's not that easy to just go to the front. Yeah. <laughs> because there'll be, there'll be 10 other guys who will have exactly the same kind of racing mentality as me. So, um, I think there'll be a lot of fireworks on Saturday and uh, I just hope I won't be one of the one of the guys who explodes, yeah. Yeah, what does that feel like to be in that pack of, you know, front of the pack pro athletes? What's the energy like? Yeah, when you that's the thing when you especially when you first get on the bike, you don't feel you don't feel a thing like you, you have to calm yourself down because you're like pushing 360 watts and you're not even trying and uh but then it always bites you back somewhere along the line. Um so yeah, I mean, there's certain, there's, yeah, you need to try and not get, not let the adrenaline get to you, I guess. Yeah, so that leads me to my next question. How much of this is mental? As I said, I think before when I was saying, like, what difference, different, the difference that I have with the others when you get to the top level, it's not, it's not physical. I think come this level, we've all, as I said, we've all trained hard and we've all optimized something. Yeah. And I think the difference between, like, the first and the eighth guy is, in terms of pure physical capacity there's not much yeah it's just on that day who who wants to suffer because depending on how much mental energy you've left in training or, or whatnot um that can play a huge role and but i'm yeah i'm probably not well placed to say because i'm young and i don't i don't have the experience of a world championships yeah i know i know uh, on a few occasions i can suffer more than anybody else um but that doesn't days like that don't come every day so uh, i hope yeah, I hope a day comes like that on Saturday. Sounds like you race with heart. Yeah, like a definitely. lot of passion. You have to, you know? 
Yeah. Are you looking forward to any part of the course particularly? Are you excited about anything? Um, probably like the stretch from the finish line to the bar or something. No. <laughs> okay, let's talk about Spotify. Who's on your playlist? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, for the course, um, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm quite a complete athlete. I'm not, I'm not better at this or better at that. So, um, I feel there's going to be a real low at around 100k before we hit the Vea climb because we're, we've only just gone halfway and it's going to be the worst part of the course. Um, the Vea climb, yeah. Yeah, um, and then, but you never know, whatever, yeah. We all have loads of loads in an Ironman, it's a long day and um, whatever point is probably, whatever point we feel is going to be the hardest might be fine on race day, but the part you least expect might be horrible and... Uh, yeah, just trying to stay in the moment. That's going to be the hardest, hardest yeah. thing. I think that's what that's what triathlon is. It's not so much about the sport. It's about, you know, being someone who can thrive in conditions that are completely unexpected and be able to quickly pivot. Yeah, it's and, about telling, yeah. Your, telling your brain to just like shut up yeah. uh, until, you, <laughs> until you eventually fade. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think not just in triathlon, but one of the hardest things to do is to stay in the moment. Like, and that's why I come back to saying, like, appreciating the smaller things in life. It's it's a proper skill, and I get well. Yeah, I guess people learn it over years. But um, as I said before, when I was a few a few years ago, like I w- I didn't at all have this mentality. I was just like solely based on results, and it's not. And like I wouldn't, I'd be super serious about everything, you know, and I probably wouldn't have come on a podcast because I didn't want to, I wanted to sleep or something, but you have to have a a balanced, a balanced lifestyle. Yeah. And that's what, because when you have a balanced lifestyle, you're generally more regular in your training because you don't overcook it. And we all know that like consistency is what gets you results, I guess. Yeah. That's, that's great advice for any athlete that's, you know, racing or training. Yeah. Yeah. Same same with age groupers or anything. um, Sometimes you need to see what their priorities in life. Like if they, I mean, my dad and me, we coach some age groupers and it's like, okay, you want to qualify for Kona, but you also, I mean, that's not everything, you know, you still want to have, you still want to love your wife or whatever and spend time with your kids. And so you need to, yeah, I think people need to take time to work out how much energy they want to spend on each of their, each of their disciplines. And people don't often take a step back to know exactly where they want to go um as professional athletes we do but i think that's a skill that can be translated into like just anything yeah anything yeah yeah i mean if you you have to set realistic goals attainable goals Mm. long-term goals i think i think unrealistic goals are pretty cool as well um i've been since i've been like six i've been saying that i want to win kona so um but yeah if i don't i'll probably end up coming third you know or yeah. fifth so you, the higher the bar you set and you have a lot of time to to win kona though yeah you could win it people keep saying that but yeah i don't want to i don't i don't want to tell myself that i don't want to find myself <laughs> no but. don't tell yourself that you've yeah. got to win in october yeah no I need, <laughs> right I, after you win this yeah that's awesome <laughs> no, I'm, not, well, I'm, I'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie to myself or try and i don't think like i'm not here to, to win or i don't i know i can win but i 